Welcome to Encounter. We want nothing more than to help you find and follow Jesus. If you're a college student in Central Illinois, join us Monday nights, ISU's campus. We'd love to see you there. Oh, good evening, friends. You awake? Oh, goodness. I, it occurred to me today. So first of all, it's already been said, but if you're new here, we're so glad you're joining us tonight. And I want you to know, too, there's a lot of new people in the room. And so um, I, I think sometimes, especially when you're courageous enough to come to a new place, sometimes you're like, man, I, like you're waiting for the person next to you to be that friendly voice to be like, hey, welcome, and we're glad you're here, and you don't know that the person next to you is also brand new tonight and waiting for you to be that person. So just be that voice with each other, because we truly are a mix of people who've been around, and, and man, singing that song, you guys in the back, I'm sitting there, Lord, do it again. I, like, I'm old, I'm the old guy in the room. Uh, my wife, Joe, and I have been doing campus ministry. I think this is our 25th year that we're starting this year, and so like 25, well, Okay, you can applaud. I don't, know if, I don't know if doing something for a really long time earns that, but that's all right. Like, but we just, we see these cycles. Every year God does something new, and you guys, I, I pray for it, and then it's really beautiful for God to show up in ways that I did not anticipate or expect. Like, the, my expectations, he kind of shoves to the side, and he's like, yeah, we are going to do something cool. It just doesn't look quite like you thought as you were praying. I was like, all right. We saw that last year. And that truly is what we just sang is my prayer for this year. God, do it again. But the cool thing is, it ain't going to be last year. It ain't going to be the stuff that he was doing then. He has something, him, prepared for us this year, prepared for you this year. And I'm excited about that. It occurred to me this morning that um, freshmen through seniors in this room, you've never seen a normal school year of college. That was weird to me to realize that if you were here with us as a ministry as a freshman, it was your, the end of your freshman year that after spring break, they were like, hey, let's take an extra week of spring break. Just kidding, stay at home. Just kidding, we don't know what's going on. Just kidding, the world's ending. Okay, everything's on Zoom. That was the end of your freshman year, okay? And then the year after that, I mean, us and everybody else, we had crazy COVID year where we, we did like five services every other week in small groups of like 40 people. And then the like last year, we were in masks in this room until February. And so there were some of you who came, who like started in August last year, and then you took off your mask in February. And I was like, that's what you look like? I had no idea. Like you were committed and involved here, but I had no idea what you look like. It is so good, you guys, to show up in this room and be like, I see your faces and we're ready to go this year. So I'm pumped. I hope you're pumped to start that. I, I thought that to start off the night, especially for the sake of those of you who are new, I would do a little orientation, okay? First of all, did anybody have a class in this classroom today? Handful, I see a handful of hands. Fun, isn't it, that you get, you get to come back to this place? <laughs> in a very different format, but let's do an orientation first to Bloomington Normal for those of you who are new, okay? Because this is a pretty awesome place in Illinois. You may not be convinced yet, but you will, all right? Sweet Corn and Blues Festival is coming up next weekend, which is pretty awesome, okay? So that's not bad. Um, Uptown Normal is kind of sweet, cool coffee shops. There's also a lot of cool spaces in downtown Bloomington. Um, there are a lot of parks around town that are really amazing and beautiful. And if you want to travel just a little bit, Kamlara is a beautiful park by like, that's Lake Evergreen, right? 
Yeah, okay. And then Matheson and Starved Rock are just like straight north from us. They're not that far either. So there are a lot of beautiful spaces around. So as I was trying to think of like, there's a lot going on in this town and around us that's fun to take advantage of. Um, normal police officers love to write speeding tickets. So if you drive above 39 miles an hour, it's gonna be an expensive place for you. This is just a warning. That's a free warning for you guys too. Orientation to our town. So I don't, there's a lot there, okay? Also, let me give you an orientation to our ministry. Uh, us as a ministry and the culture of what we're doing here, our goal, our goal, you guys, is simply this, uh, to chase after Jesus. I believe that God is interested in you and who you are and in your life. And so all we, like, we are a collection that is weird in terms of there are people in this room that come from Catholic backgrounds and Baptist backgrounds and Methodist backgrounds and no background at all, like the people who came to Christ last year who'd never gone to church before who were in our group. And it's beautiful to see God challenge all of those things, to see him challenge who we are and for us as a group to show up every week and to say, God, what do you want to do in our lives? What do you want to accomplish? Why did you put me on this earth? We get to chase after that stuff together. That's the reason why 25 years in, I'm still doing this because I love it. I love watching God come to life through you. And honestly, a lot of the beautiful things that happened last year happened through you. Stuff that you guys did happened in your apartments, the worship nights, all the other stuff that was going on of God moving and working. I can't wait for him to do it again, you guys. But let me give you a little bit of a warning too, all right? Our goal on Monday nights uh, is to hold this high. All right, I, I could come, I could. I could come on Monday nights with the goal of impressing you with all kinds of wonderful facts or with conveying my opinions every Monday night, okay? because they're great, my opinions are so great, okay? But they're, that is not our, our, that's not my job, first of all, and that is not our goal. Our goal is to submit, not to this thing, actually, but to the author of this, the one who wrote this, who's interested in you and I. And that's hard. It's hard for me, as a person who prepares messages each week, I'm, I tend to be the primary teaching voice here. There'll be several others that you'll see up on this, this stage through the year, but I tend to be the primary teaching voice. You guys, as I'm, pre I, I, as I'm preparing sermons this year, God will challenge me to change in this. There will be stuff that I think, stuff that I do, stuff that I believe, that I will open this, and as I'm getting ready to teach it to you, I'll be like, oh no. I, <laughs> I have to rearrange some of what I do think and believe based on what God teaches me in here. And it's fun to be able to relay that to you. But I have to tell you this, you're in the same boat. You aren't exempt either. So I'm just, again, as an orientation to our ministry, if you're walking in and you're like, I wanna find a place that endorses all of my theological and Republican or theological and Democratic values, it ain't gonna be here. Okay, because this is what we chase after, and I promise he's gonna challenge you just like he challenges me this year as we chase after him. I'm gonna talk more about that a little bit later. I also am excited because I'm doing something tonight I've never done before, and that is when I, we finished last year, we did a four-week series called The Greatest where we just talked about some of these big priorities. And when we finished the school year, I was like, I'm not done. It's like, it just felt like, okay, there's so much more fruit on this tree. And so I'm continuing a sermon series that we studied. This is actually part two, my message tonight, of something I preached on April 11th, okay? That's just been sitting and burning in me all summer, and, I'm, and it's time for that to come out, okay? So that's part of our orientation tonight. 
I also want you to know, and I, got, I just got a lot of words before we get to the text tonight. I want you to know how many people want this for you too. Desperately want you to be connected with the God of the universe this year. Okay, first of all, and I, I know you're gonna applaud, I just want you to know I'm not doing this for applause, but I, I want the staff to stand for just a second because I want you to see who they are. So can you guys just stand for just a second for them? Okay. Yeah. All right. So, all right, sit down, sit down. <laughs> um, I have them stand because here's how much these guys want you to know Jesus and how, why they've been preparing all summer for you to come back around. Um, they raise their own support to do that. They raise their own financial support to do that. They hand, this is a full-time gig for them, so they hand their lives over for the entire school year to pour into spaces for you to come and meet with God. I had conversations this summer, like, I, you, did you run into uh, Zach on the, on the Dilly Bar bike? Anybody on the quad? Ice cream guy, okay. Um, we have, to this point, handed out uh, um, uh, probably close to 1,500 Dilly Bars in the last week, okay? And we got another thousand to go. I went back to, to DQ today. And you, may, you guys may be like, man, how much money are you guys spending? We're not spending any money. Do you know why? Because the owner of Dairy Queen loves Jesus. And he was like, how can I help you guys create conversations with students? And it was like, yeah. And you guys, that's just the tip of the iceberg because then we borrow the ice cream bike from, a, from Eastview, which is a church that's here on, in town, and we store them in a walk-in freezer at Calvary Baptist, which is up the street, and at Grace, which is over in a different part of town. And we have, there's a group from Minear Christian Church, okay, that came and fixed our guy's bathroom floor last week. Just some guys who were like, you know what, how can we serve the ministry and volunteer our time? All summer long, you know why that we have free shirts to give away with the app that we didn't pay anything to develop because an alumni did that too because we have a group of people around us who are like we want students we just want to clear the path we want to cut down all the weeds so there's a garden ready for students to follow Jesus and so I'm telling you that because there's a community of people that you don't even know who are praying for you tonight who are praying that you will find or continue and deepen a relationship with Jesus this year. You are walking into an unusual space, and it's not because I have manicured it, it's because an entire village of people has prepared it for you, and I'm pumped. When you show up on Monday nights, we will be ready for you, ready to worship together, ready to teach the word. We have retreats coming up that we are ready for. We know who's speaking for them and the themes that are there, and I'm pumped about where God's gonna take us in that. Your small groups, I'm actually, well, you know what, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna save that for later, because that's a good one. But God has stuff laid out in advance for you. And we aren't the only campus ministry, if you'll notice, on campus doing this too. And I have great relationships with the other campus ministers who are here. We pray for you together. And so there's an encouragement too. If you're checking out some of those this week and you're like, encounter, I don't wanna go there, okay? Fine, go somewhere else, but lock in there. Lock arms, don't go to four campus ministries all year, okay? <laughs> Settle in and find your people and lock arms with them and chase after Jesus together. And if it's not here, that's fine, but find that place and do it, okay? Deal? All right, okay. Orientation over, let me get to the text. All right, so this is actually gonna be review, and I know that those of you who were here on April 11th are gonna be like, I so remember this, okay? But 
prerequisite for our text tonight, especially for those of you who aren't super familiar with the Bible, I need to go back to just tell you this piece so that you can understand what Jesus says tonight, because this is where we're driving at with our text. In the Bible, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, easy for me to say, all right, those are known as the law, first five books of the Bible. For a Jewish believer, those would be considered, they sometimes call those the Torah or the Pentateuch or the Shemash or five books of Moses or the Hebrew Bible. They go by a lot of names, all right? But those first five, that's what they are. There are 187 chapters, that's a lot, and 613 commandments in the law. You with me? I'm gonna move fast because this is just background stuff. Then we move into the prophets. These are all the people who spoke God's word. In other words, he would give them a message and say, deliver this message to my people. And often, oftentimes it wasn't a very popular message and they would deliver that. And so we get, I'm not gonna read them, we've got them all here, okay, but 16, 17 if you include uh, Lamentations that was written by Jeremiah, that's 250 chapters of the Bible. Okay, and that covers a lot of the Old Testament that we're talking about. So sometimes you'll hear Jesus talk about the law and the prophets, he spits that out fast, this is what he's talking about. The law is that beginning part, most of which has to do with Moses and his journey, and the prophets are just spread throughout Old Testament history. And if you understand that, I want you to hear that in our text when Jesus is talking. Now we go to the life of Jesus. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, so they were going back and forth trying to trap Jesus, they met together to question him again. And one of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is, oh, I lost my place, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Now, based on that previous screen, you understand why that's a really difficult question. Five books, 613 different commandments. So they come up to Jesus and on the cuff, they're like, hey, which one's the most important one? Jesus. And Jesus replied, without hesitation, I might add, just dives in, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Now, this law, you guys, that Jesus is talking about, these aren't technically new. Let me show you. This one, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, actually comes from Deuteronomy 6.5. So he was quoting Deuteronomy 6.5, and that, a good Jewish boy or girl knew that. That was the Shema. They prayed it once or twice a day, that verse, Deuteronomy 6.5. So Jesus goes to that one and he's like, you know this one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. Now, here's the interesting thing. The second one Jesus quotes, love your neighbor as yourself, is also from the law, Leviticus 19, 18. Love your neighbor as yourself, I am the Lord. So it isn't crazy that Jesus quotes these two things. They would have been familiar with these laws. What's crazy, you guys, is this part right here. The entire law, Jesus says, and all of the demands of the prophets are based on those two commandments. 
Based on, that word that's used there means hangs on. As a matter of fact, some of your translations might say hangs on. Like a picture hangs on a nail, so the entire picture is depending on the weight, or like all of the weight of the picture is hanging on that nail. That's the picture in that word. All of the law and all of the prophets, all of the beginning part of your Bible hangs on those two commandments. So Jesus is trying to tell us, this is how important this is. I can take this much, where am I at here? Let me go past Ezekiel, Hosea, yep. Trying to get all the way to Matthew. Back to Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, still going, Malachi. There we are, New Testament. Jesus is saying this much of the scripture hangs on those two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So love God and love people. That's shocking. That Jesus would say, if you do those two things, you fulfill all of this. Shocking that he would say that. And really, it's simple. It's not easy, but it's quite simple because he's given us two different things. And again, this came out of what I talked on on April 11th was this, love God, love people. Love God is a vertical relationship, that I am connected to the God of the universe. Loving people is a horizontal relationship, that I love and I see and I know the people around me. And so just to be very clear, Jesus says, I'm going to sum up your purpose on this planet, your entire reason for existence. I'm going to simplify it down to this thing. Love God, love him, and love people. And you do that, all of that other difficult stuff is fulfilled. Simple. Okay, but simple isn't always easy, is it? So let's talk about that for just a second. Um, Because the questions we have to get at tonight are, what does it mean to love God? We're going to get at loving people the next two weeks, but I want to talk tonight, what does it mean to love God? And why as a people are we so obsessed with love? Sometimes when I I do a talk on a Monday night, when when I preach, um, I'm super interested to find out, just, you know, you go into Google and you're like, what do people think about this? Um, so the question that I typed into Google when I was preparing this, because we are a love-obsessed culture. We define it lots of different ways, but we're completely obsessed with love. So, so, so I typed into Google, what do people think love is? Okay? And I found this awesome quiz that, uh, that people asked the question, to, they asked people to sum up love in five words. Okay? And they got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of responses, and these were my favorite six. I just want to give them to you tonight. Again, summing up what love is in five words, okay? Holding hands and feeling complete. That's kind of nice. It's not bad, okay? Uh, Matching tattoos on our hearts. That doesn't sound clean. Uh, Bubble baths as a couple. It's kind of racy. It's all right. Um, the soothing effect he have. Now, to be clear, that's not my typo. That is what was submitted to the article as one of their top picks, okay? So that just that hurts me a little bit. The soothing effect he have. Uh, five of six. The constant tickle of contentment. And I hate that so much, you guys. Like seriously, when I read that, I was like, I have to put it on there, but I never want to hear that phrase again. (laughs) And when leaving isn't an option, which kind of sounds like kidnapping a little bit, okay? So I mean, this again, this was, 
This was some of their top picks of hundreds of responses to summing up the word love in five words. You, under, you get it, right? We're obsessed with love as a culture, but we also don't understand it very well. I mean, I'm not talking about within the church or outside the church. I'm not talking about within Christianity or outside Christianity. You guys, love is, is the language that we speak. You, you turn on any radio station right now. I, I don't care what the genre is, country music, rock music. What you're gonna listen to is a song about love or the lack of love, acceptance or the lack of acceptance. These are the themes that run throughout all our TV shows, our movies, the greatest artwork that's ever been created. Why? Why are we so obsessed with love as a people? Well, I have an answer to that question. It's because when you do look at artwork, the art reflects the artist, okay, always. You study art, you study, if you, if you fall in love with a musician and you start listening to their music, you will get a sense to who they are, what they care about, their personality. They can't help it. The artist makes his way into the artwork. He or she can't help but, but be that way. And we are obsessed with love as a culture because we are creations of a God who is obsessed with love. It's a part of his character and who he is. And when Romans 1 says that God is clearly seen in his creation, it's Romans 1.20, that's what it's talking about. That you and I, as a part of his creation, we, we mimic him in this way. His desire to love and be loved, his desire to know and be known is imitated in us because we're created in his, in his image. And it's mirrored throughout all of creation. You wanna know why we're a love-obsessed people? because we were designed and made by a love-obsessed God. It's at the center of his character. It's who he is. Okay, I'm not, uh, I'm not making this up. It says, Ephesians tells us that you are God's handiwork, his masterpiece, his artwork, that you were created by him, and this is who your artist is. John tells us this. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. He's the source. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That's who we are, created by a God who loves us. You don't believe me? Let me run through some verses really quickly for you. Jeremiah 31.3, this is God talking to you. I have loved you with an everlasting love, and therefore with loving kindness I have drawn you. Romans 5.8, God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. John 3.16, the verse that most people know or at least have heard, for God so loved the world, he gave his son. Galatians 2.20, the life I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. Your identity on this planet, first and foremost, is someone who is loved by the God of the universe, period. You can reject him. You can say, Ben, I don't accept that. I don't like it. It doesn't change the fact that it's, it's real and it's true. This is what the scriptures teach. You are the one who is loved by God. I love this quote by Brennan Manning. Being the beloved, that's who we are, is our identity, the core of our existence. It's not merely a lofty thought, an inspiring idea, or one name among many. It is the name by which God knows us and the way he relates to us. 
Have you ever been taught that you are the beloved of God? That scripture uses language that I am his bride and he is the groom. That's how much he cares for me. And you're like, man, you don't know me. You don't know how messed up I am or the secrets that I brought in here with me that you don't know. Yes, I do, because I know me. (laughs) You think that God loves you when you're worthy? That's not the way that it works. That's not what grace is. Brennan Manning, I mean, I, I, I never knew him. I met him, he was a speaker. I met him a couple of times, but I never had the privilege of like actually knowing him. But he was the greatest mentor as a writer of grace in my life, probably of anybody. And here's what Brennan, he passed away a couple years ago, but here's what he would say often. He would say this, and this just stuck in my soul. God loves you just as you are, not as you should be, because none of us is ever as we should be. In other words, if you think you gotta get your life cleaned up to a certain point for the God of the universe to love you, you don't understand him. You can't be perfect enough. (laughs) You can't do that on your own. Maybe you've been trained differently than that, but that's not the way that it works. God loves you just as you are and not as you should be because you never will be without Christ's help what you should be. You can't clean up your own morality that much. You are simply the beloved. So that frees us up, you guys. It frees us up to do what? To knowing, when we find out that we are the beloved of God, that he cares for me, that he loves me without end, that when you mess up, he's not any further away than he was before. When you live in that reality that you are known and loved, it allows you to wholly love him back. You can't ever really say I love you to God, you guys. It's always an I love you too. He's already initiated it. It's like every time you turn around, you can't be like, he's the one who said I love you first, period. So you're always stuck in this place of just having to respond. I love you back. I love you too. I love you as a response to the love that you gave from me. That's who the God of the universe is. I hope you find that. If you've never tasted that before this year, I hope you taste that. To be the beloved, the God who loves and cares for you individually. All right, Ben, that sounds great. What do I do with that? What do I do with that? Well, and maybe the the more specific question with that is, how in the world does a person love God? I mean, he's God. He's invisible. It's It's like, it's ethereal. Is it spiritual? What does this look like? I don't even understand. Well, Obviously, there's limited time tonight, all right? We got, we got a whole year to unpack this, okay? But, but let me give you just a taste. Three little things that I want you to understand about what it means to love God. And the first one is this. Your love is undivided, okay? You, you noticed in that passage that Jesus talked about loving God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength, all of you, in other words. He doesn't leave anything out. Your love is to be undivided back to him. We often like to compartmentalize our lives. I can talk to you about all different kinds of health. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure uh, ISU actually has language. Um, is it uh, eight at state? The eight areas of health? Yeah, yeah? okay. Um, I, I wrote them down in my notes somewhere. See if I can, does anybody know any of them offhand? I'll take your silence as an overwhelming no. <laughs> Mental, physical, physical health, Spiritual is one of them. Spiritual is on the aid at state list. Emotional, Emotional health. Social. Social is one of them. Financial. Financial is on there. 
I feel like I'm a game show host right now, okay? <laughs> um, the ones we're missing that I see on here, I don't think anybody yelled these out. Environmental is one of them. Uh, social, we might have said, and vocational is another one that they lay out. So they've got these eight different, and you guys, it's fine. I mean, like, I'm sure that each of us could come up with our own, like, 12 areas of health. And oftentimes, we use these phrases of my emotional health, my mental health, my physical health, my spiritual health, and we talk about those cleanly, like you can unwind those and be like, you know what, I'm gonna have a good mental health day, but physically, I'm gonna treat myself like garbage, you know? It's like, <laughs> I, I think you will clearly find that your spiritual self, your physical self, your mental self, your emotional self are woven together. You're a self, okay? So you're gonna feel spiritually crappy if you don't sleep for a week, right? Your physical health affects your emotional health, affects, like they're all, they're all just one tapestry that's woven together. And I think this is part of what Jesus is hitting at the, in this. Your spiritual life, if you have lived it up to this point where it's segmented, where you're like, oh, my spiritual life is Sunday morning. That doesn't affect Saturday night. I got bad news for you. This is, Jesus says, no, 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 no. If the reality of our lives is that the God of the universe loves me and cares for me and has a purpose for me in this life, then that is Sunday to Sunday. That means that it, it infects every part of my life. I can't say that my marriage is exempted from my relationship with Jesus. I can for a while, but pretty soon he's gonna knock on that door and be like, hey, Ben, we gotta talk about that, that closed door that you've had to me for a while. That's the way that he works. My whole self is offered over to him. That's what's part of what it means to respond in love to the Father. And again, some of you are like, uh, preach, Ben, I get it, I totally get it. And some of you are like, I don't know if I'm ready for that. That's all right. I'm not gonna force that door open tonight. You guys, we got time together. But this is the journey that we're on this year. What does it mean to love God with my whole undivided self? The second thing that I would throw out there for you is that you can't love what you do not know. There's so much language in scripture about knowing Jesus. Jesus talks about, those, like when he talks about his followers, he often uses that phrase, those who know me. Those who know me. There's even a passage where people come to him in the time of judgment and say, hey, didn't we do all these things for you? And he says, I, I didn't know you. I don't know you. This is the language Jesus uses. My sheep know my voice. They know me. You can't love what you don't know. And so that's just a simple invitation this year for you to find out more about who God is. Now, I gotta tell you this, sometimes as a church, we mess this up. And when I talk about church, I don't just mean like us. I'm talking about the global church, the way that we handle ministry sometimes. We teach and 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 we teach, okay? And, and we act like that is gonna help you understand God. Now, I'm, as a guy who's paid to teach, okay, I like teaching a lot. I love preaching, I love the word of God. I, again, I wanna hold it high, but here's the thing. There's a difference between knowing God and knowing about him. My wife and I have been married a long time, all right? This isn't just about knowing about her. If you came to me and said, hey, Ben, how's your marriage? And I was like, hey, really good. Like, I, um, I went to a seminar about knowing my wife on uh, Monday, and then I read a book um, about getting to know her better all week. I met with a group of guys. We talked about different ways to get to know, and I like keep going down the list, and you're like, have you spent any time with your wife? And I'd be like, no, I haven't, okay? Um, the, my marriage is a great example 
of there's a difference between knowing about someone. You can read a biography about somebody. It doesn't mean you know them. There's an entire gap, though, between that and what it means to actually love God and chase after knowing Him, His character, who He is, what He wants. You guys, if you, again, if you're not ultra-familiar with the Bible, the, books in, the first books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are just about the life of Jesus. Read about the life of Jesus. I challenge you to. If you've never read the Bible, read the book of John. Read it this semester for the very first time and be amazed at what Jesus does and says, what matters to him. Stuff makes him mad. Why does it make him mad? Stuff makes him cry. Why does it make him cry? There are moments where he just shows absolute joy. There's moments where he chews people out. There's moments where he commends people on their faith. There's moments where he does miracles and other people do miracles around him through faith. Stand in wonder at it and get to know the God of the universe and his character. Our relationships with each other are the perfect example of that. You get it in my life that my relationship with my wife, I need to spend time with her to get to know her. Okay, that's the way that it works. We need to spend time with God to get to know him. The best way to do that is here. This is what describes who God is and to look in the life of Jesus. And guess where you're going to find that? Also right here. Okay, so that leads me to the third one because my time's running short, so let me move on a little bit. Um, The last one is this. Love requires a response. Love is a verb. Love is active. Love is experiential. Loving means doing. Okay, again, I can't just hide behind knowing as a cerebral exercise. So, Let me do a very quick exercise here. Um, I I know that there's probably not very many, but at least a couple married people in the room. You're not allowed to answer this question, okay? If you're married, no answers from you. But, and I'm a little bit old, and this is a very big room, so if you say stuff out loud, you have to yell it at me, okay? So my question here is, what do healthy married couples do? Go on dates. dates. Invest in each other. other. Communicate. Communicate. Love each other. Good answer, since we're talking about love tonight. Communicate. Be open. Is that what you said with one another? Honesty. Spend time together. Learn about God's word. Eat together. That's a good one. Yeah. What was that? Live together. Forgive each other. Support each other. What was that one? Vulnerable with each other. Trust each other. Two more. Communicate. That's the, yeah. Last one. Laugh with each other. Yeah. So wait, nobody's going to say sex. Nobody's going to talk about sex? All right. Healthy married couple, that should be happening. Okay, let me, before I get too far down this road. All of those things, all of those things are true. Let me bring you back. Let me bring you back. All of those things are true and right, and yet this is coming from a group of people who aren't married. So how do you know so much about marriage? Okay, well, first of all, because you've seen married people, you've been around marriages, you've seen your parents' marriage, you've seen where they have succeeded and where they have failed, you've learned lessons about marriage along the way. So pretty sure most of you, if not all of you in the room, you're not marriage experts, you're not doing marriage counseling, but all of those things were great. 
All of those things were spot on. There is just a world of difference between knowing all the things you just said and actually practicing all of the things that you just said in a relationship, okay? Now, here's why I do that with you guys. I strongly suspect right now that if I said to you, what should someone who loves God do, that many of you also would know the right answers. You'd say, well, prayer should be a part of my life. I probably should find quiet spaces. I probably should maybe cut out some of the digital anxiety that sits on my phone that I stay in all the time. I probably should spend a little bit of time trying to understand who he is in the word. There is a world of difference between knowing those things and actually pulling those things into your life. So I can know all the stuff that you guys said as a husband, but the real difficulty is actually putting those things into practice in our marriage. And as you look at your school year this year, you guys, there's a difference between saying, I, I think it would be a good thing for me to chase after God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. But to actually go home tonight and say, Lord, what does that mean? How do I do that? What does giving over five minutes of prayer to you in the morning actually look like? Can I build that into my rhythm? And just as an encouragement to you, because I'm not, I'm not stepping into guilt world here where I'm like trying, trying to beat spiritual disciplines into you and make you feel bad about what you don't do, what you don't do every day. What I'm trying to do is to present to you the opportunity that the people you're sitting with in this room want that too. They want that too. So let's chase it together. Let's do that in your apartments. Let's do that in your dorm rooms. Let's ask God, how do we lock arms together and love, serve, and give and wear the identity of the beloved in a way that makes this campus stand up and take notice. That's our charge this year, and I'm excited for it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we are your beloved, that you know, care, and love for your people really well. And far before we were born, God, you knew our identity and knew who we were. And you love us still, in spite of our shortcomings, um, in spite of the small-mindedness we carry with us. And so I pray that you'd increase our faith. And I pray that as we take tiny little baby steps toward you, Christ, that you'd take a thousand back toward us and meet us in the meager spaces we come to you with. Give us a vision for this year, Christ. I pray that the love that you give us would be known on this campus, that 27,000 college students in this town would hear about it this year, all of them. The Holy Spirit, we lay that in your lap. Excited to be back together in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. Find out more about Encounter and ways to get involved at isuencounter.org.